Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. How many of you are here tonight? Good. We're glad you're here. I want to start reading Matthew 24. I spent most of 2020 in Matthew 24 because I kept getting so much more out of it every time I would read it, and the Lord used it to minister to me uh, about what's going on and why. So Matthew 24, uh, let's start with verse 3. Matthew 24, 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of his coming, of your coming, and the end of the world? Now you have to read the previous verses to know what they were referring to. Uh, Jesus told them that uh, there would not be one stone uh, upon another that will not be thrown down. Talking about Herod's temple in that day. And so they wanted to know what does all this mean? Uh, There are three questions. When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming? And the end of the world. And here's what I want to deal with tonight. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. I want you to say that out loud. Take heed that no man deceive you. I emphasize no man deceive you. And he said, take heed which means pay attention. It's your responsibility. You're going to have to see to it that you're not deceived. I don't know how many of you all have um, asked the Lord questions about what's going on in our culture today, uh, uh, what's happening in our government, what's happening to churches. Uh, I saw a Barna report the other day. Only 35% uh, of people uh, that were going to church before COVID are going to church now. So that's about a falling away of about 70% of churchgoers. And it gets worse as the age goes down. To the millennials, only 8% are going to church. And you see that what Satan has done is to to try and destroy the church. Uh, But the good news is Jesus said, this is my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And uh, I want to deal with some things tonight, and uh, I hope I don't offend anybody, but I want to deal with some things tonight that have to do with deception, being deceived. I don't know how many of you have ever experienced some of the deceptive doctrines and deceptive teachings over the the years. Jeannie and I have faced uh, and seen quite a lot of them, and the Lord ministered to us about uh, those things. So that's, that's basically what I want to talk to you tonight so you won't be uh, deceived. Amen. And I'm going to use some of them as examples, and I'm going to talk about uh, phrases that you keep hearing about, uh, the third great awakening, kingdom now, dominionism, even the assemblies of God 
put out in the year 2000 an end-time revival spirit-led and spirit-controlled response paper to Resolution 16, and they dealt with all of the error that comes during revival. Things that happen that get people off. And uh, I want to quote Stephen R. Covey. Uh, He said, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. That means in Matthew 24, verse 14, it says, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. He goes on and says, All the wars, rumors of wars, all the national problems, the ethnicity problems, the kingdom problems, famine, pestilence, that's virus, earthquakes in diverse places. He said, all these are the beginning of sorrows. In the grocery store the other day, a lady asked me, she said, Pastor Caldwell, do you think things will ever get back to where they used to be? I said, no, ma'am. She said, is this the new normal? I said, no, ma'am. Don't you get tired of hearing Joe Namath say, I'm in these trying and uncertain times just like you. I'm playing it safe. I'm at home. If you look that commercial up, (laughs) Brother Joe makes about a million bucks a year doing these commercials. So there's purpose to what he is saying. I doubt very seriously if he's hiding out in the basement of his home. (laughs) Okay. Um, I heard it said, now let me go back to several years ago. This, This all has to do with deception. This is not the end. This is just the beginning of sorrows. The end of the age, and keep in mind, if you don't know, Matthew 24 is written about the second coming of Christ, not the rapture. The disciples didn't know anything about the rapture at this time. It had never been taught. Nobody had ever heard about it. So they weren't asking questions about the rapture, uh, which is the catching way of the church. Uh, This was about the second coming. And he was talking basically about what Israel is going to experience and what they're going to go through. But we can learn from what he told his disciples. But years ago, I heard it said, and this was in a meeting, and and I didn't have any better sense than to just repeat what I had heard until the Lord corrected me on it. And I heard it said that the reason that Jesus could only be kept in hell three days and three nights is because God said it is enough You have him down there illegally, and you've got to let him go. And I listened to that, and I thought about it and thought about it over the years, and I probably even repeated it until one day, right in the middle of my sermon, the Lord interrupted me and said, that's not right. I said, it's not? He said, no. If Jesus wasn't down there legally, then you'll have to go. So he wasn't down there illegally. He was our legal sin substitute. Then I heard it said that Jesus became a sinner. And all of a sudden, my spirit went boop. He said Jesus didn't become a sinner. He became sin. And God said there's only two ways Jesus could have become a sinner. Number one, he would have had to sin. 
But the Bible says <laughs> that he was tempted Amen. in every way like Amen. we are, yet without sin. Yes. And he'd had to been born of Joseph, seated by Joseph instead of the Holy Spirit. So he was not a sinner. When he, when he took our sin and became our sin substitute, he didn't become a sinner. He became sin for us. And then I heard it said that when God uh, made Adam, uh, he reproduced himself. Now that sounds pretty spiritual and pretty deep, but all of a sudden my spirit just began to not feel quite right. So I went back and reread it, reread it, reread it, reread it. And the Holy Spirit said, for God to have reproduced himself in Adam, that would have been an incarnation. And there was only one man that was made incarnate, and that was Jesus. So what did God mean when it said, let's make man in our image and our likeness? Well, if you read the creation, God's creating the stars, the moon, the sun. He's creating all of the uh, insects and the birds, and he's creating all the creatures and vegetation and animal kingdom. Then he gets to man. And he says, let's create man in our image. Meaning, let's make man of the spirit being category. Let's make man a spirit being like us. Are you you still here? (laughs) Well, uh, let me stop there. That's just some of the things that... Um, the Holy Spirit helped me with. Let's talk about the third great awakening. Have you heard about that? A, a worldwide revival. There's going to be a church is going out in the blaze of a glory and, and all these things. Well, I looked it up and you can find a lot of this stuff on Wikipedia. You can, I mean, it's not secret information. And you can find it in your Bible. The third great awakening. Now, I'm going to read you some stuff here to, to help you in some areas. The Third Great Awakening refers to a historical period proposed by William G. McLaughlin that was marked by religious activism in American history. It gathered strength from the post-millennial belief that the second coming of Christ would occur after, and I underline the word after, after mankind had reformed the entire earth. It was affiliated with a social gospel movement which applied Christianity to social issues and gained its force from the awakening. Did you get that? The belief that the second coming of Christ would occur after mankind had reformed the entire earth. And that goes into dominionism and kingdom now. Now, I did find out the first great awakening uh, was from 1730 to 1740. Jonathan Edwards was the spearhead of that, a great evangelist. Then from the 1800s to 1870 uh, was the Protestant Reformation and uh, the, the uh, emphasis of the Holy Spirit. I have looked in the New Testament for a worldwide revival and a great awakening, and I found it finally over in the book of Revelation Mm -hmm. 
chapter 7 and chapter 15. That takes place during the tribulation when the 144,000 Jewish evangelists are preaching the gospel all over the world. And it says they all come up before the throne of God. And one of the elders says, who are these people? Because it says they're an, a, a multitude without number. I don't see any of this happening before the rapture of the church. It's all happening after the rapture. Now, that doesn't mean we won't have revivals and have uh, awakenings and people. You know, there's, there's great revivals. Uh, CBN did a Easter program live on social media during the Easter holidays, and they counted 1.3 million people accepting Christ when they prayed. Amen. That's awesome. So we're always going to have these kind of things take place. But a worldwide revival and a, and a, a great awakening that's going to take place. And the elder said, who are these people? And where did they come from? They said, these are they, and we'll read it in a minute, that came out of the tribulation period and have had their robes washed white in the blood of the Lamb. They're unnumbered. They're a multitude without number. That all takes place at the end of the tribulation period. Okay, what is Christian dominionism? Now, keep in mind we're talking about don't be deceived. Because some of these things have resurfaced here of late. I hear them. And it, it, it grieves me in my spirit because I wonder how many people are being duped by this. Christian dominionism is a term that is referred to as a subset of American Christianity, conservative, politically active, and believes that Christians should and eventually will take control of the government. <laughs> well, the media says they tried to do that on January the 6th, and uh, it didn't, didn't work out. And the media lied to you because they said this is the only time in American history that we've had an insurrection like that. Well, I had our producer uh, look this up for me and do some research, and actually I brought a copy. Um, I say I brought a copy. I think it's my last point. No, I didn't bring it. Anyway, I know what it was. There were 28 insurrections against the American government from 1676. That's 100 years before 1776. From 1676, there have been 28 insurrections, revolutions against the United States government. So January 6th was nothing new. We fought a civil war. That was one of them. There have been 28 insurrections, attempts to overthrow the government. And one of our founding fathers said, if the government fails to provide for the people, remember, it's the government of the people, for the people, by the people. If they fail to provide, then the people have the right to revolt. Uh, <laughs> I'm not suggesting that you <laughs> go out and you know, get your pistol and go up to the state capitol. I'm not talking about that. But <clears throat> dominionism. I remember when this first hit in the 80s. It was called dominion theology. Mm-hmm. 
or another name, the militant church. I had friends who wrote books about it. I had pastor friends that when they would preach, they would put on army fatigues, a helmet, and dog tags to represent the militant church. One guy on television, he, he dressed that way every time. This was back in the 80s. This was a real, quote, movement, and people were going to take dominion. Uh, we've seen all kinds of deception, areas of intercessory prayer, deliverance, discipleship, submission. And all these things do nothing more than sidetrack people right. away from the main thing, Amen. which is the preaching of the gospel. Amen. Back in the 80s, there was also a, a movement of prayer, and uh, people were um, going up in 60-story buildings, 30-story buildings to pray because they were closer in the heavenlies, and they were calling down strongholds, and, and uh, they even rented airplanes and flew over the country and interceded and prayed over different cities and whatever. And Brother Hagin, he very seldom ever said, and he very seldom ever contended with anything, but every once in a while, I'm going to read you something that he prophesied. But he did address this. He said, you know, it's a funny thing. <clears throat> People renting airplanes and going up in skyscrapers. He said, Jesus never got off the earth. <laughs> and he said, were any two on earth, where? On earth shall agree, touching anything they shall ask, it'll be done for them by the Father who is in heaven. Discipleship submission, that's a biblical doctrine, but it got off. It got shipwrecked. It got sidetracked. Jeannie and I went down to Florida where the Fort Lauderdale Four were spewing forth all of the, and we, I heard it first, firsthand. We stayed in a home uh, of one of the elders of this movement and uh, uh, the wife wanted to share a healing testimony, but she could not unless she got her husband's personal permission. And that's when everybody, this was the teaching, everybody had to have a personal shepherd. And uh, that was the error uh, uh, of that day. Now, a Christian dominionism uh, runs amok with the scriptures. Of course, most deceptions do. Uh, Christian dominionists believe that God desires Christians to rise to power through civil systems so that His Word might then govern the nation. Sounds good. The belief that America is a Christian nation is sometimes called soft dominionism. The idea that God wants only Christians to hold government office and run the country according to biblical law is called hard dominionism. Isaiah 9, 6 says that when Jesus sets up his millennial kingdom, he right. will take the government on That's his right. shoulders. Now, I want to quote to you something that Keith Moore said in one of his messages in a conference we were in. And Keith said he really sought the Lord about all of the commotion and everything going on about the election and the, uh, the fraud and, and, and so forth and whatever. And uh, it, it seems like almost that people had made a god, an idol, out of Trump, mm -hmm. the Republican Party, right. Christian dominionism. We're going to take over the government. We've got to have these people in office. We can't make it without it. And he went to the Lord about it. He said, Lord, what about this? And the Lord spoke to Keith and said, Son, I am not a Republican, yes, sir. and I am not a Democrat, Amen. and I am not an American. Yeah. Amen. 
Woo, are y'all still there? Yes, sir. <laughs> but sometimes we get, we get so carried away. And I did an email. I do a monthly um, uh, e- email. And uh, one of my emails I called wannabe apostles and pseudo-prophets. Yeah. Pseudo means sham. And there are little pods of prophets all over the country prophesying to one another, prophesying out of their own spirit, competitive prophesying to try and make something happen or support what's already happened or explain what's happening. Okay. <laughs> Dominion theology comes from Genesis 1.28. I've taught many years on that, which says, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion. But listen to what he said have dominion over. The fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and every living thing that moves upon the earth. Charles Capps and I used to do a lot of fishing. And we took dominion over the bass of the lake every time we fished. That's scriptural. We have a right to do that. Okay. What is kingdom now teaching? Um. <clears throat> Proponents of kingdom now, and that came out of dominionism, um, are trying to, uh, how would I say, stir up excitement when the Lord returned to receive the kingdom from our hands. In other words, kingdom now theology sees the second coming of Jesus in two stages. First, through the flesh of the believers, and then in person to take over the kingdom handed to him by those who have been victorious overcomers. Kingdom now claims that Jesus cannot return until all his enemies have been put under the feet of the church, including death. My brother and sister, the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Waiting for all his enemies. They're under his footstool. That legally has already transpired. Amen. Mm. Amen. Um, the, the, The idea that God has lost control and that we're going to have to take over is unbiblical. Amen. Here's another uh, shocking. piece of information. The idea that the church has replaced Israel, that's replacement theology and it's incorrect, and the fulfillment of the prophecies to Israel pertain to the church is known as replacement theology, is unbiblical. The promise to Israel will be fulfilled in Israel, not in the church. And, And let me go over to another scripture passage that's been misapplied in Acts chapter 3. And this is all in support of kingdom now that we are going to have to take over the government and we are going to have to present a Christian government and then Jesus will return. We're going to have to get everything in order and then he can come back. But look at Acts chapter 3. And this is a scripture that I've heard used many times. Verse 19, repent ye therefore, be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord and he shall send Jesus Christ which before was preached unto you whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things 
which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Now they take that scripture out of its setting and try to apply it to the kingdom now. But let me tell you what that's referring to. It says, now this is really referring to Israel. Repent therefore, because this is the, this is the uh, talking about the day of the Lord, the second coming of Christ. Read the previous scriptures. Repent therefore, be converted that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, talking about the second coming, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which was before preached unto you. Now the Bible says that the gospel was preached unto Abraham. Whom the heaven must receive. Well, Jesus in the heavens right now. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Until the times of restitution of all things. Restitution of all things. And he tells you what they are. Which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. All the prophecies that were given to Israel are going to come to pass. Israel has been blinded. Israel has been rebellious. Israel has been defiant. And for that, during the Great Tribulation period, they are going to suffer the wrath of God. That scripture plainly teaches that. But God loves Israel. And the Bible says in Romans 11, Israel will be saved. All of Israel will be saved. But they're going to experience the wrath of God. The seals that are poured out in Revelation, the trumpets, all of the bad things that you read about happening during the Great Tribulation period are all going to be directed towards Israel. And by the way, in Revelation 7 and Revelation 15, when it talks about the unnumbered people coming out of the revelation that have been saved, that have had their robes washed in the blood of the Lamb, and they're up before the throne of God. All the people that are there includes the church company that has been in heaven since Revelation 4. The church is raptured up. After Revelation chapter 4, the church is no longer mentioned as being on the earth. Amen. It's mentioned as being in heaven, Amen. worshiping God. And so the great tribulation period's going on. All these people get swept in, Jews, Gentiles, everything. Just remember this, church. I'll just throw this in here. You are not a Gentile. After you get born again, Amen. you are the redeemed. Hallelujah. Gentile means non-Jewish. Well, we're all non-Jewish. But we're not Gentiles. Because when we get saved, we get born again, we become the redeemed. So after Revelation 4, it says a sea of crystal. The Revelation 4 shows the church in heaven. We're worshiping Jesus. Then the great tribulation period is going on down here on the earth. And 144,000 Jewish evangelists are preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom. That's the main thing. Amen. <laughs> and that's what we're supposed to be doing. Right. Yeah. And then all those people come into uh, the presence of the Lord, and we're already there. And we make up a multitude that cannot be Amen. numbered. Amen. Amen. When the COVID thing started back in March of 2020, 
My granddaughter called me and she said, Granddaddy, have you ever been through anything like this? And I said, no, we haven't. I said, what are we supposed to be doing? I thought that was very, that really blessed me that she wanted to know, what are we supposed to be doing? Well, I'm going to conclude here in just a minute, and I'm going to tell you what we're supposed to be doing. But all these other little side trips fit in here where Jesus said, see to it that no men deceive you. Because if you get going down this side road, it'll take you away from the main thing. You ever been lost out in the woods anywhere, and, and you get off the main road or the main path? If you're not careful, you'll panic. I know I was duck hunting one time. I, I, when I was a kid, I used, to, I used to hunt and fish by myself. Now, my dad and I did most of it, but after I left home and I started hunting and fishing by myself. And I was duck hunting in the Wabasika Scatters. Anybody know where the Wabasika Scatters are? I tell you what, now that is almost, it ain't the end of the world, but you can sure see it from there. And I got lost, and I'm in hip boots. And I was panicked. I had heard where these hunters had gotten lost out there and they had their shotgun in this hand and they had their compass in this hand and they kept going around in circles because the compass would point to the gun. I didn't do that, but I got lost and I panicked and I started running. You ever tried to run through a swamp that's knee deep in hip boots? I tell you what, I, I like to wore myself out. I finally saw a clearing. And I went up, I saw a house over there. I went up to the house, I banged on the door, and this lady came to the door. Now, I'm in Wabasika Scatters. I mean, this is, this is, in Arkansas, this is country. She came to the door. She looked like Ma Kettle off the farm. She said, Sonny boy, are you lost? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. I said, can you tell me where I am? And she said, and I can't say it like she said. She said, well, you're right here at Biometer. <laughs> Biometa. You're right here at Biometer. Well, I still didn't know where I was. <laughs> and she could tell I was panicking. She said, if you'll just have a seat here. Uh, she said, my husband uh, will be back in a minute, and he'll take you back to the highway where you came in in his truck. Oh, thank the Lord. Because I didn't know the Lord then. I didn't say thank the Lord, but I thought, well. And he came back, and he took me and took me right to my car. There have been people I found out lost in the Wabasika scatters for days and weeks. Some of them had died out there. And I didn't get any ducks, so it wasn't worth it. Okay. Let's keep on reading here. The, let, let, me, let me finish this. Under kingdom now teaching, the second coming of Christ will only take place when He, Jesus, not men, defeats His enemies and puts all things under His feet. The description of the second coming in Revelation 19 is the description of a mighty warrior who comes to put all things right not one who comes to an earth already cleaned up and ready for him to rule. He'll set up the kingdom. And he doesn't need our help. We're just to preach the gospel. Did you know, and I'm going to elaborate on this a little more, did you know that the church's, how would I say, assignment 
the church's challenge in Mark 16, Matthew 28, was not to take over the government. It was not to take over anything. It was to preach the gospel to the world. Hmm. It was a spiritual assignment. I've heard, I've heard it said that uh, the word church uh, comes from the Greek word ecclesia, and it means legislative body. And they use that to support their kingdom now theory that the church is going to take over civil government and take, listen, I've pastored for 37 years total, two churches. If the church is going to take over and run the government, you better run for your life. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the church can't even run itself, much less the government. <laughs> Okay. This is the description of a mighty warrior who comes to put all things right. Um, let, let me go on here and read the rest of this. Uh, when the Lord said to take dominion, there were no political entities in Genesis 1.28. Dominion theology goes further. Christian reconstructionism. Kingdom now theology. Intellectually high-minded worldview, most popular among the more conservative branches of Christian faith. Reconstructionism says that dominion will be achieved by each Christian excelling in his or her field. Christian artists taking over the art world. Christian musicians taking dominion over the music world. Christian businessmen taking dominion of the business world until all systems and fields are subdued. But my brother and sister, the church not, not only does not have that assignment, it doesn't have the ability to do that. I know this might sound negative to some of you. Kingdom Now Theology stole the keys of spiritual dominion when Adam and Eve were deceived. Then when Christ gave the keys of the kingdom to Peter in Matthew 16, it was a sign that dominion had been returned to man, and now it is our job to take back what is rightfully ours. Sounds good, doesn't it? You've seen these Medicare commercials? You deserve this. Get what you're entitled to. Get what you deserve. Get what you deserve. Well, we deserved hell, but we didn't get what we deserved. Amen. So, um, to claim dominion over the earth and spiritually subdue it for Christ. Kingdom now believes that the capturing of the dominion includes having Christians in political office plus a return of spiritual power manifested by signs, miracles, healing, kingdom, now theology. It veers away from the heart and message of the gospel, which is to preach the good news. Do you know what the gospel is? 
Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I think sometimes we need to go uh, back to, some of you have Baptist roots, and you need to go back to your Baptist roots and listen to uh, what the gospel really is. Because the Bible says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Did I say 1 Corinthians 15? Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, yeah, here it is. In verse 3. I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, and that He was buried, and that He rose again on the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, He was seen above 500 brethren. So the gospel has four major points. The gospel is to preach that Jesus died for our sins. Say, died for our sins. Secondly, he was buried. Thirdly, he was raised. And fourth, he was seen. So he died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised. And he was seen. That's the gospel. And the Bible says in Romans 1 that the preaching of the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom carries its own power unto salvation. Billy Graham came here in 1988. Anybody remember that? Did you go to his crusade? I had the privilege of being on the steering committee that put that thing together. It took a year. Their crusade directors go and they live in the town where they're going to have the meetings for one year before Billy ever comes to town. And we had the pre-crusade events at our church. And one night, we were sitting back there in the guest room, and there was George Beverly Shea, Cliff Barras, Jeannie Nye, and maybe a couple other people. And George and Cliff just began to talk like two schoolboys. I remember when we were in California in 1949. Yeah, well, remember this crusade. We were just, I was just loving every minute of it. And George shared how they had received a letter from someone that criticized Billy for always playing that song, Just As I Am, as he gave the altar call. Just as I am, sing it, without one plea. You know, that almost became a national anthem. And we loved it. It brought such peace and solace and, you know, comfort. And this guy said, if y'all would quit singing that song, not nearly many people would come to the altar. It's that song that draws them to the altar. And George and Cliff Burst told Billy that, and he said, okay. Uh, for the next couple of crusades, we just won't sing that song. Till, cut the song out. I'll just preach, and I'll give the altar call, no song. So they did. <laughs> They had three times as many people say Because it wasn't the song. It was the gospel. So the preaching of the gospel. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's the power of God unto salvation. Okay. <clears throat> Let me keep on going and... Um, 
here's, here's according to the gospel, uh, we're to preach to the world. Our job is to rescue those who are perishing, to hold back those stumbling towards slaughter. Christian dominionism seeks to perfect this world by political clout. But it's the spirit that must bring change. Not political parties. Jesus will bring his kingdom to earth in justice and true righteousness. And it will signify the end of this world's system. Did you get that? Brother Hagin put out uh, a warning. This was in 1990. We're talking about deception. And as I said, we knew Brother Hagin well, and he very seldom ever contended uh, with anything or anybody, but uh, there were times where the Holy Spirit would prompt him. And I remember this. Um, I, I think we were there in that meeting. He's talking about, I believe there's been much error through the overemphasis of apostles and prophets today. We use these terms loosely and even irreverently. Many ministers love to tell you uh, who they are, what they are, instead of letting the fruit of their ministry tell you what they are. They insist on being called by their titles, uh, especially in Pentecostal charismatic circles. And he says, and I quote, Every spirit that's of God will talk in line with the Word of God. For the Word's been given by the Spirit, and that which contradicts the Word is not of the Spirit. So one is at a disadvantage if they don't know the Word. If the Word has not been taught or preached, they are spiritual children and as a disadvantage. But you know, the scripture says that we long to heap to ourselves teachers having itching ears. I had a lady that was sending me these um, um, conspiracy theories. Oh, I might get one every week. And uh, this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And there was always some pseudo prophet that was prophesying this, uh, hunkered down in their basement and so forth. And um, I finally, after she sent me one that was, you know, completely squirrely, I, I texted her back and I said, and I know her, know her well, and I said, don't you have something more important to do than to sit around and read these things all day long? Turn off YouTube, turn off Facebook, turn off social media, turn off Twitter. And turn on VTN. <laughs> okay. Stand firm upon the word. Follow those of sound character. Follow those who have proven themselves over the years as steadfast and true. Uh, those that are not filled with frivolity and foolishness. You know, Fred Price just went to be with the Lord here a few weeks ago. And I remember when Fred put out one of his first books. It was called Faith. Foolishness and presumption. Boy, I mean, you know, there's one thing that you cannot uh, criticize Fred on, and that's being bashful or shy. I mean, he told it like it was. <laughs> well, Jesus did too. I mean, they got up and left and walked off. He turned around to his disciples and said, you boys want to go too? 
And they said, where would we go? Yes, sir. Okay. Those that go about calling themselves apostles are not necessarily apostles. Don't recognize them as apostles. If they have a bona fide ministry, it will be proven. It will show. You'll see fruit. Uh, those that are truly called of me, saith the Lord of hosts, will humble themselves before me and minister in the power of the Spirit. They'll have a recognized ministry without putting any name on it. But those who come along and say, I'm so-and-so, you must listen to me, you must do what I tell you to do, follow me. They're not following the Lord, so don't follow them. You follow the Lord and you'll be blessed. But follow that which is false and confused, and it'll set you up in the enemy's camp, and he'll gain control over you and over your children and your household, and great shall be the fall. But walking in the light will dispel darkness and fear, and you'll depart from uh, deception, and the goodness of the Lord shall be yours, and you'll enjoy the blessing of your Heavenly Father, and you'll have much cause for rejoicing. Now, uh, I'm just about through with uh, all of these reports. Uh, The Assemblies of God also dealt with that because they've had several... Uh, of these things to deal with over the years. The problematic teaching that present-day offices of apostles and prophets should govern the church at all levels. It's very tempting for persons with an independent spirit and an exaggerated estimate of their importance. (laughs) And I've seen this. Uh, Brother Hagin had to deal with this because of Rhema. Rhema Bible churches all over the world. And when this teaching came out, um, every church had to have... uh, a designated apostle and prophet over it or they didn't have the correct government. So some of them changed. They found them an apostle and prophet, whatever, and put them over in the church government. He said it was an amazing thing. He said, I watched those churches who were running thousands of people. He said, and after they got the correct government, apostle and prophet controlling the church, he said they lost half their people. So it wasn't correct. They were doing fine without it. It doesn't mean that we don't honor the offices that are listed in Ephesians. God set them in the church. But he didn't set them in the church to control or govern the church. It says he set them in there. Are you listening? To perfect the saints. And I've told pastors, they won't ever have, and usually it's because they're threatened. They won't have the fivefold ministry in the pulpit because they're afraid. Afraid the people are not going to pay attention to them. Well, that's pride. That's right. And I've told them, I said, the pastor alone cannot perfect the church. You have to have the fivefold ministry. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. But if you study these ministries and you find out the biblical understanding of what God's doing, you won't get off into error and you won't be deceived. And how many of you know that you have the Holy Ghost in yourself? And you have the ability to discern what is good and what is not good. The Bible says that even out of experience, you can discern what is good and what is not. Uh, I had stopped a guy one time in a church, first church we pastored downtown. And I noticed on Wednesday nights, I'd come in to teach and he would be going down the aisle. He'd, he'd come over here and, and he'd get this aisle and he'd squat down and he'd talk into this. <laughs> then he'd go to the next aisle and he'd come over and he'd talk to somebody else and he'd just go all the way down the chair. So after the service, I called him in. I said, what are you doing? 
I said, what are you doing when you go walk in there and you sit down and talk? He said, oh, he said, Pastor, I, I have the gift of straightening people out. <laughs> There's not a gift of straightening people out. <clears throat> uh, are you still here? Okay. I'll stop there. I don't mean I'm stopping preaching. I'm just going to stop reading those things. <laughs> so go back to Matthew 24. Verse 4, Jesus answered and said, Take heed that no man deceive you. Hallelujah. I have listened to pastors and preachers. Of course, I was going to go preach in a church here oh, last, last of last year, first of this year. And I, I had a message to preach, but I didn't know what they believed. And I didn't want to, Brother Hagin said, don't plow crosswise with somebody else's field. So I had our, our producer look it up. I said, I want you to go online, find every church you can online that has a website, and find out what their doctrines are, what their statement of faith is, so I will know whether they believe in the rapture of the church or not. Well, she did. And they're over over 500 churches in the Metroplex here. And she said, I could only find 18 churches. Now, she said, there are only about 30 or 40 churches that had their doctrines online, their statement of faith. And I thought, well, why don't they put all that on there? And, and she said, and she's, she's attended seminary, and she knows the scriptures and so forth. And she said, well, Pastor, some churches don't want people to know what they believe. That's why they've changed their name outside on the building. They don't want people to know what they're affiliated with. But she said, out of the 30 churches that have a statement of faith or doctrinal statement, she said, only 18 of them believe in a rapture. Now, I taught in a Bible college for several years, and I got off on teaching on the rapture and the second coming, and I noticed it really got quiet in that classroom. I teach the third-year students. Um... And so I stopped and I said, uh, y'all got quiet on me. I said, did, did I say something that's not particularly right? And this guy in the back, he said, no. He said, we're listening. We'd love to hear more about this. He said, they don't teach that here. I said, why not? He said, they, 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 have, they believe in pan. They have a pan doctrine. I said, pan doctrine? He said, yeah, they believe everything's going to pan out. <laughs> Well, the scripture has a response to that. Let him that be ignorant be ignorant still. <laughs> the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Amen. And Jesus said, see to it that no man deceive you. Now, my granddaughter says, what should we be doing? According to Matthew 5, you can turn over there. Matthew chapter 5. And see, the reason you need to know about all this error is because you can get sucked into it real quick. And, and you also need to do personal evaluation. If you get sucked into something and, and, and it's because of your pride, then you need to know. You need to repent of it. Ask God to forgive you. Well, I'm going to do something nobody else has ever done. Oh, yeah? Hell's full of people like that. 
to stick with the word. Just as they say in Texas, just dance with the one that brung you. Okay. Matthew 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. Salt in its purest chemical form, without any additives, never loses its savor. It never loses its saltiness. It never loses its preserving. But when you add another chemical compound to it, it loses its savor. And that's what Satan's trying to do. He's trying to insert things into the body of Christ that are deceptive and get you off. And, and you know, he can, he can deceive you. And the next verse says... Um, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light to all those that are in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Every one of you are a walking, talking witness. You are salt. You are light. Let your light shine. We, had, we hired a guy to, to do power washing at our house a week or so ago and do the driveway and the sidewalks and the patio. And Jeannie noticed he had a big cross around his neck. So she said, oh, are you a Christian? He said, uh, well, uh, my mother's Jehovah Witness. She said, but I don't go to church. What, 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 other, what other invitation do you need? <laughs> I mean, he just flat told you, yeah, I'm, I'm willing and available. Tell me. Yeah. So we just started in on him, started telling him about <laughs> how, I, how I got saved and how we went in the ministry. And he, he just standing there like this, you know. Praise the Lord. Praise God. You'd be surprised how many people. You, you can bless so many people. You can lead them to the Lord. Uh, at Brother Leonard's uh, camp meeting last week, I taught on the spirit of giving. I shared some of the testimonies. Well, I had another one added. Uh, let's see, what's today? Sunday, let's see, about Thursday or Friday. I went to Home Depot, and I was getting some more dirt and gravel. And so I had my flatbed cart pulling it towards the checkout. And there's this little old lady, precious little old lady. She was standing in line, was about from here to the wall, about six, seven, eight of us. And she had three potted plants that she was, uh, she couldn't carry them. And so she just set them on the end of my cart. And I, I saw her do that. And I said, I turned around. And I said, oh, are you giving those to me? And she, went, she just looked at me as sweet as she could be. She said, uh, uh, no, sir. She said, I just, I just can't hold them any longer. Can, can you take them, carry them up there with you until you check out and then I'll get them? I said, sure, I'll be glad to. So when I got up there, uh, the guy started with his little gun, and he went around. I said, uh, put those on my couch. I said, I'm going to pay for her, her flowers. She said, oh, no, you can't do that. I said, I've already done it. Yeah. <laughs> now, I had on my VTN jacket, yeah. and she saw it. So she's going to go home and watch VTN. Yeah. <laughs> she says, somebody from VTN bought my flowers. Yeah. You can be a light no matter where you are. Amen. You can be salt no matter where Amen. you are. Amen. 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 
So the end of the world cannot come until the gospel of the kingdom is preached. What are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be sharing Christ. We're supposed to be being salt and light. The end cannot come until the gospel of the kingdom is preached to the world. I've already told you what the gospel is. Jesus died for your sins. He was buried. He was raised. And He was seen. Four major truths. And understand the gospel removes all fear. During the COVID uh, from March 2020 to March of 2021, our TV audience at VTN uh, just exploded. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that I can explain it. Um, we had more people watching. We, ha- we subscribe to a service like Nielsen. It's not Nielsen. But they can tell us, they monitor the programs that people watch. Now, this is in Arkansas, in this region, Arkansas, uh, Boot Hill, Missouri, Tennessee, Memphis, Tennessee, Mississippi, and this region, that, this region that we cover. And, of course, now through Roku and Livestream, we cover all 50 states and about 14 countries. Uh, Roku alone has 50 million subscribers. So VTN is on. The, you can get VTN. Just go to the channel store and put in VTN, and you can watch VTN anywhere in America. And we have people that have told us they're watching from Germany and different places. So our audience just really exploded, and we really didn't understand. We, uh, VTN, all of the Christian networks that cover the same area that we cover, people are watching VTN 10 to 1 to the other networks. If you want to watch your favorite TV preacher here in Little Rock, um, there are more people watching that preacher or preacheress or whatever on VTN than anywhere else. Now, why is that? We, we can't put our finger on it. Now, these, this Comscore, they, they know exactly what people are watching. If, you're, if you have cable or satellite, they know when you turn on James Robinson and they know when you turn him off. I'm not going to tell him. They know when you turn on Marilyn, uh, not Marilyn Hickey, Joyce Meyer. They know when you turn on Kendall Copeland. They know when you turn them off. They know exactly the viewing habits, and we get a report every week. That is absolutely awesome. And we watched our TV audience just go up and up and up. And the ones that we could get kind of, you know, to feed back to us, they said, well, when the church is all closed, pastors, afraid, fearful, when the church is all closed, we had nowhere to go. So we went to VTN. Now, that's not an excuse. VTN shouldn't be your church. But there are still churches not open today. And so they said we needed something that was stable, that would help us get rid of the fear that we could know what's going on and know that this is not God trying Amen. to kill us. Amen. And that's why they started watching. Praise God. And they're still watching. Hallelujah. The church, and I'll close with it. The church in 2 Thessalonians is supposed to be a restraining force. 2 Thessalonians 
chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 through 7. How am I doing on my time? Oh, my goodness. Um, Paul says, let's, let's start with one. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Keep in mind, and I hope you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. The rapture of the church takes place. The Bible says we rise to meet him. He's in the air, and we rise to meet him. The second coming of Christ, he comes back to earth, and everybody sees him. The rapture, nobody sees him. You're caught up to meet him in the air. The second coming is when Jesus comes back to set up his millennial kingdom, and we come with him. I heard one, one, one person say that, uh, that the rapture, secret rapture was utter nonsense. This is a born-again, spirit-filled preacher. Another one said that they believed in what was, you know, humorously called the YouTube. I mean, the U-turn rapture. That the church company is not raptured out before the tribulation, but we go through the tribulation and we wait until Jesus comes back and then we rise to meet him and then come back. That's a U-turn. Well, what are you going to do with all the things that are happening during the seven years of tribulation in heaven. Yeah. Marriage, supper of the Lamb, judgment seat of Christ. What are you going to do with those? Yeah. You, have to, you have to dump those. You have to throw them away because if we don't go to heaven before the great tribulation period and we're not at the marriage, supper of the Lamb and we're not at the judgment seat of Christ and we're just sitting around waiting. And Paul says, and I'm not going to take the time to read this. Paul says, and he talks about um, in, in the... Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he said, You say yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. That's not talking about the rapture. That's talking about the second coming. Because he goes on to say, You are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. You're children of the light. The second coming, the world is not going to know he's coming. But we're going to come back with him. Amen. I, I, I find it amazing to me that people don't understand these things. And the preachers don't understand them. They don't know the difference between the rapture and the second coming. So how can the people know if the preachers don't know? He said, well, Pastor, where did you learn all this? First, I learned it from my wife. When I got saved, she started teaching me. She had a scroll that she had gotten at her church when she was uh, studying the book of Revelation. By the way, she's got a new book coming out soon called A Study of Revelation. And you're going to want to get it. Amen. But anyway, she had a scroll by Reverend, uh, Reverend John G. Hall. And I read it. The first week I got saved, I spent a whole year at home studying and I read this scroll. And it starts in Genesis and goes to Revelation. It's a scroll and you open it up and I, we, I had it on the wall. And I studied it daily, weekly, monthly. And it's all laid out. It's very simple, but you've got to study it. You've got to know for yourself. You can't take somebody's word for it because there's a lot of preachers out there squarely. And I don't mean that critically. I'm not, I'm not touching God's anointed, but their information is incorrect. And I've listened to them answer questions. And you'll ask them the same question 
at different times, and they give different answers. Yeah. I'm thinking, whoa. So I'm teaching this to you today at my expense. <laughs> you might get offended or, you know, whatever. I, I was asked to do the prayer, the opening prayer at the Senate in the House last month in, in two weeks of each other. And I just wanted to thank them for all their pro-life legislation. Because Arkansas is now recognized by the, Arcan Ar by the Americans for Life organization. Arkansas is the number one pro-life state in America. And so I wanted to thank them for doing that. So they gave me the opportunity. And I read in Timothy and I said, we're to pray for all those in authority and give thanks. And I said, I'm like one of the lepers that came back to give thanks. Jesus healed 10, but only one came. I said, I just want to give you thanks for all the pro-life legislation. You've saved the lives of hundreds and thousands of the unborn babies. And you've set Arkansas up in a leadership position for the rest of the nation. Let's pray. And while I was praying, some of them got up and walked out. I didn't know it. I didn't see them. I had my eyes closed. But it was in the paper the next day. And somebody sent me social media and said, it said, pastor. Oh, it said, retired pastor. Well, they got that wrong. Yeah. I'm not Amen. retired. Amen. Retired pastor riles legislators. So <laughs> there's a lot of Christian legislators up there, folks, both in the House and the Senate. And many of them came up and thanked me. I said, well, I'm... I'm I had to call Rex Horn because I was taking his place. He's the chaplain of the house, and he asked me to fill in for him. So I called him. I said, Rex, Rex was the pastor of Emmanuel Baptist for many years. I said, Rex, I want to apologize if I created any problems for you. He said, you didn't create any problems for me. I said, well, they, some of them got up and walked out. He said, that's their problem. <laughs> Others came up to me and said, Pastor Caldwell, thank you so much for, for being here You've helped us so much. He, they said, would you do me a favor? I said, sure. And they turned and said, would you pull some of the knives out of my back? <laughs> <laughs> you got Mary Bentley in uh, Perryville, Perry County. You got Jason Rapert from Conway County. You've got a lot of legislators that are really pushing, you know, uh, these things. And I don't know what happened to our governor the other day. I think he had a brain aneurysm when he... <laughs> vetoed something and the legislature said don't worry about it that we're going to override the veto and I asked Jason I said what's what's going on here he said well uh, the governor just you know ended his political career in Arkansas he'll never be able to run for uh, office again some of you don't know what I'm talking about but I say that to, to let you know there are things going on in our state and in our legislature that are unprecedented yeah. I've lived here a long time. I've never seen it like it is today. I mean, we've got our problems, you understand, and always will be. But <clears throat> uh, back to the scriptures. In Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, We beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled neither by spirit, or nor by word, nor by letter, as from us that the day of Christ is at hand. Apparently, somebody had sent out some kind of letter notification saying, Jesus has already come and you missed it. He said, don't believe that. Let no man, what? Deceive you. Same thing Jesus said. By any means, for that day, his second coming, shall not come 
except there come a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. I have down here in parentheses, <clears throat> Charles Capps and I were talking about this one day, and he did a study on that and looked it up. Of course, he's talking about apostasy, a falling away first, but he said that really means the departure of the church. Right. So, that day shall not come except the de- after the departure of the church. I have friends that believe they know who the Antichrist is and they know who the false prophet is. And I told them, I said, you don't even need to be concerned about that. You know, if you believe in a pre-trib rapture, you're not going to be here anyway. And if you keep trying to tell people that the false prophet is the Pope, you're going to mess up your whole ministry one day. Because the Pope is how old? 90-something. If he dies, he ain't the false prophet. I really was blessed. I, I just heard a piece of the <clears throat> the news about uh, Prince Philip's uh, home going. Prince Philip, uh, Duke of Edinburgh, uh, Prince uh, uh, Queen Elizabeth's husband. How many of y'all know who I'm talking about? He and my dad were born the same year. If my dad had, was living today, he'd be 99, just like. And the Queen is 95. She's the same age as my mother, my mother. And uh, I got really blessed because the queen said, (laughs) and she never talks much, but she said that Philip, her husband, uh, was the rock, her rock. And you would have never known that by the newsreels and the media and all that. But she said every time they had a problem, His response was always, now let me see if I can get this right. Be calm and stay on course. Be calm. Can anybody help me here? Be calm and stay stay on course. Stay the course. Be calm and stay the course. And you know, Queen Elizabeth, she was just a young girl when she was placed in as queen. And she was a mechanic in the, in the king's army. And she helped go through World War II. Now, she's a tough lady. Yeah. And she always has her purse. Yeah. <laughs> in that respect, my wife is a lot like the queen. <laughs> we walk out the door, I always say, you got your purse? I've got my purse. She's got her purse. So... <clears throat> He says, he that now letteth hold fast. Uh, The Holy Spirit is still here. And the Holy Spirit is the one that is holding back the enemy. But after the departure of the church, now the Holy Spirit will still be here. But he will no longer serve as the restrainer. And after the church has departed, that's when the Antichrist, the false prophet, the beast system is going to be enacted, and here it comes. It helps me, and I hope it helps you, to know all the things that are going on that we're having to deal with that no uh, generation has ever dealt with before at, on, on this level. Uh, and the conspiracy theories, vaccines, vaccinations, 
uh, the, the rumors are running rampant. If you get a vaccination, they're putting secret ingredients in you where they can track your life, all this. Social, social scoring is going on right now in China. They keep account of everything that a person does, whether they speak against the government, whether they obey the laws or whatever, and they keep score. It's all tabulated computer, and, and they keep score and then when they tally up the score, if you want to go apply for a loan for a house or a car or you want to get a certain job, they pull up your social score. And if your social score is above a certain amount and good, then you can do it. If it's not, you can't. And that's what people are talking about. That's what's going to happen in America and blah, blah, blah. Well, you just have to remember that God is bigger than America. I love America. I served in the military for six years. I love. I took an oath. But God's not an American. Amen. You're going to get to heaven and you're going to see people of all nationalities, all ethnicities. All of them speak in different languages. Jeannie says, no, they're going to have one language. So you need to read her book, The Revelation. I stand corrected. But they're not going to be, t- they're not going to be talking American. Okay, Uh, the lawlessness, the spirit of the Antichrist is in the earth today until he be taken out. Uh, I mean, until he be revealed, until the church be taken out. Now back to Matthew 24 and and I'll quit. Jesus said, take heed that no man deceive you. Say it out loud. Take heed that no man deceive you. And the only way you can do that is for you to know the word yourself. Many will come in my name. You'll hear wars, rumors of wars. Don't be troubled. These things much come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilences, earthquakes, diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Notice in verse 6, it says, all these things must come to pass. About summer of last year, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, we're faith people. You know that. Why hadn't we been able to stop this virus? We've cursed it. We've fasted. We've spoken to it. We've done all kinds of things. Some, some people prophesied over it and all that. I said, nothing stopped it. He said, and my wife had told me this previously, and he brought back what she said to me. He said, you can't stop it. Whoa. He said, read Matthew 24, 6. These things must come to pass. It's not God chastising the church. It's not God doing things to us to teach us a lesson. These are the beginning of sorrows. It's a metaphor for a woman in travail. It's going to get worse during the tribulation period. But these are the beginning of sorrows. He said this has to come to pass. Now he said this. He said you can't stop these things from coming. But you can stop them from coming on you and your family. Maybe this will bring peace to y'all. It did did to me. I had a dream the other night. I don't dream much. But when I do, it's early in the morning right before I get up. And I had a dream. I told Jeannie, I said, this is the most pleasant, beautiful, exciting dream I've ever had. I saw us covered 
under a blanket. It was like a big, huge electric blanket. It was square, and it covered us. We had room to move around, and, and we weren't in bed asleep. We were walking around taking care of our normal activities, and the, and the blanket was like this ceiling. Yeah, it was like this ceiling, and it was over us, and the Lord said, this is your immunity bank blanket. It's like being in the land of Goshen. My grandma used to say that all the time, land of Goshen. I never knew what she meant. Land of Goshen was a place where the Israelites came. There was no hail. There were no flies. There was no pestilence. You all feel that? Yes, sir. Okay. Let's everybody stand. I want Jeannie to come sing a song as we dismiss. Have I gone too long? No, sir. Oh, that's the pastor talking. <clears throat> pastor never thinks you go too long. Well, there's three people fell out on the floor back there a while ago. I want Jeannie to come and sing a, a song. And during this song, and the name of this song is It's My Desire. It's My Desire. Actually, it was written by a guy here in Arkansas, Jimmy Pierce. Was that his yeah, name? Yeah, that was his name. And uh, she recorded it. And during the song, here's what I want you to do as a, as a response to this message. And, and you don't have to come to the front, uh, but sometime during the song, if the, the Spirit moves on you, you hear the words. I want you to just lift up your hands towards heaven as a gesture of rededication to the Lord that you are going to keep the main thing the main thing. And you are not going to be deceived and you're going to rededicate yourself afresh and anew to be salt and to be light. Go ahead, brother.